This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We've got a new sponsor we'd love for you to support, and it's Snooze Mattress and SnoozeSleep.com. Their Snooze Flip is the most universal mattress on the planet. It's the world's first four-in-one mattress. You get soft, firm, cool, or cozy, whatever you need. Flip it for comfort level. Zip it with a reversible and washable temperature-regulated cover. It's backed by a 122-year warranty made by Colorado Design for the World. Use code DNVR when you visit SnoozeSleep.com. Receive $250 off a mattress and $250 off adjustable base when using code DNVR. That's your first pitch. Now let's play ball. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Strava CBD coffee will improve the quality of your morning because it's just rich in CBD and CBG. It's going to have you feeling as great as I do every day since their CBD infused coffee can help with joint pains, IBS, chronic headaches, all that and more. And plus, you're not going to get those normal coffee jitters if you have three or four cups a day, which I typically do and I do not get with Strava Craft Coffee. Now you can get 25% off your first purchase with code DNVR25. At Strava Craft Coffee. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons. And on today's DNVR Rockies podcast, we've got a tiny bit of Rockies news. Of course, we've got the Cy Young Award in both the AL and NL, as well as what the heck is going on with the collective bargaining agreement. There's some negotiations going on. There's a lot of talk that there could be a work stoppage on December 2nd. What does that mean? And what are both sides fighting for? They might be fighting for a while. But in Rockies news, Trevor Story officially rejects the qualifying offer of $18.4 million from the Rockies, something we've known for quite a long time that he was going to do. Now, what does that mean exactly? Well, if he signs a contract elsewhere for $50 million or more, which think we all know is going to happen in this market, the Rockies will receive roughly the 31st overall pick. Once the natural first round is over, Rockies will go ahead and get the compensation pick before the competitive balance round. So it'll be somewhere around there. But if he's for some reason happens to sign for less than $50 million, even if it's $49.9 million, the Rockies will not get a pick until after the second round, so somewhere in the 70s. And that is something that they certainly weren't counting on, especially when they were making 
various negotiations around the game during the trade deadline. But it seems like they will get that proper compensation for Trevor Story. No compensation for John Gray, unfortunately. But one of the teams that have recently been linked to Trevor Story is the Seattle Mariners. Now they've got a lot of money to spend. They've already been linked to Chris Bryant and Marcus Simeon. But internally, there are some rumblings that perhaps Trevor Story could be a good candidate to move to second base as J.P. Crawford is very much an above-average defensive ability shortstop there in Seattle, and I don't think they want to move past him. I think if Simeon were to get the deal from the Mariners, he would also end up staying at second base, and Chris Bryant could play third base and take over the spot by Kyle Seeger, which was left vacant after his contract had expired. Could also play some corner outfield spots, but uh, right now I think the Mariners are pretty well set with Jared Kelnick, Rookie of the Year in 2020, Kyle Lewis, and of course, J-Rod, Julio Rodriguez coming up through the pipeline. We should see him make his debut next year. So Bryant would then at that point really only be a third baseman, and I'm sure he'd be fine with that, especially if they show him the bag. So we'll see about that. But what does that mean for the Rockies? If, if Story is truly gone, which best believe he is truly gone, who is going to play shortstop? Well, GM Bill Schmidt did say that... Well, I'll phrase it like this. <laughs> don't don't want to get you too worked up. But when asked about the possibility of McMahon moving to shortstop, Ryan McMahon, that's right. Ryan McMahon, the third baseman, moving to shortstop, he responded with, quote, that's something we've discussed. And McMahon himself has even said that he thought that he could potentially do it uh, in, in a recent article by Patrick Saunders of the Denver Post. And I think that's an interesting assignment to put in front of Ryan McMahon. It's certainly one that I do not think would be a really great fit. I think it's something that is necessary to float out there to let any agent of any free agent shortstop know that, hey, we don't necessarily need a shortstop because look, Ryan McMahon has abilities to be able to do it. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa did a nice job defensively with Texas last year. Guy was a catcher for crying out loud. And so Ryan McMahon, who shoot, was a, was a top prep quarterback and has a lot of abilities. You saw what his range was like at third base, was a finalist for the National League Gold Glove over at third base. And so do I think he could transition over to shortstop? I think so. I think he could do in his first year, be an average defensive shortstop, and then maybe even above average going forward from there. I think that certainly would help his value once he becomes a free agent following the 2022 excuse me, the 2023 season. And so that means you've got two years for him to really complete the transformation to become a shortstop before he goes out into free agency, unless you lock him up to a deal. And this offseason will be the one in which you'd be most likely able to do that. We saw that with Antonio Sensatella had two years left before his opportunity to venture into free agency we're waiting to see if that'll be the case with Kyle Freeland. He's two years away. Ryan Altapia, he's two years away. And same is true of Ryan McMahon. So a lot of key guys coming up that are going to be free agents before you know it. But McMahon as a replacement for Story at shortstop is very interesting. I have the same worries about McMahon as Brendan Rodgers. The simple fact that Brendan Rodgers isn't the player moving over to shortstop really tells you all you need to know about 
Rodgers' defensive capabilities as far as moving over to shortstop. And and really, it's just about his growth, right? I think there's there's a chance he could do that. He could provide average to above average defense at shortstop. But what does this young man have to give up in order to do that? We sometimes forget that baseball is a two-sided sport where you you work at the plate against pitchers, and then you also have to go out on the field and play defense. And the more focus that's put on defense, the less is going to be put on at the plate. And so you could stunt a player's growth. And so I think moving Rodgers over to shortstop could stunt his growth a lot. Isn't that true of Ryan McMahon? I think it is. I think it would be true of McMahon. We already saw it. You know, it, it coming off to that great 2018 season in 2019, he was all over the diamond after Daniel Murphy you know, broke his finger and was out for an extended period of time where McMahon was playing a little bit of first base. We saw it in 2020 where he was a little all over the place in the diamond. And so this year he finally was able to be stable at third base. He got a really good year out of him. I think he might have expected even more than that, but the last two years of him being all over the diamond and playing almost a different position every day, not quite literally, but the fact that he was playing second base, first base, and third base did not allow him to settle into a rhythm. And guys who are able to go all over the place and settle into that rhythm, they've got a lot of value. Look at Chris Taylor, where every day he didn't know where he was going to play. He knew he was, he knew what was going to happen when he got up to the plate. He knew the opposing pitcher. He could prepare for that. But which glove he was going to use or where he was going to play that day is something totally different and takes a special breed to be able to do that. I think Ryan McMahon can do that. But how long does it take him to be able to make that transition? And is it worth that for him, for the organization? I don't have the answers to that. But if we're just saying, is Ryan McMahon enough of an athlete to play at least average shortstop? I absolutely think he could. Thomas Harding published a piece on Wednesday highlighting some of the possibilities. The typical guys that we've been talking about, Angelton Simmons, Freddie Galvis, those cheaper options, even Jose Iglesias would all be really affordable options at shortstop, providing average to above average defense. In the case of Angelton Simmons, I mean, the guy was a platinum glove winner in the American League. So he is, you know, once in a generation defensive talent. He was not very good at the plate last year, but uh, I think he's going to get aided a lot by Coors Field. Could be a little bit pricier. And so, of course, that opens the door for trades. We've been talking about it here for the last month. Numerous candidates from Elvis Andrews, who's a guy that, well, look, when it comes to the A's, we know they're going to be selling just about everybody. And we know they're not going to be signing a top free agent and then turn around and sell their shortstop. That could be the case with the Cardinals and Paul DeYoung. That could be the case with the Mariners and J.P. Crawford. A lot less so in that case with Seattle. But there are teams that currently have a decent shortstop that if they were to upgrade, they could either move that guy over to second base or they could just part ways altogether. So there are some of those in that class. And so Elvis Andrews from the A's could fill that quota possibly. And then Thomas, as well as he does is just about anybody reminds you, Oh yeah, there are still a couple guys that within the organization could fill that hole until Ezekiel Tovar is ready in about two more seasons. Now, Chris Owings is one that 
if the organization brings him back, maybe he plays shortstop, but it's, he hasn't played shortstop a significant amount of time since 2017, since he was 25 years old. So I don't really think that's a fit. And with a lot of injury concerns, just been banged up the last two years, his body betrays him. It's not him. It's not his fault. You actually go and look at the numbers that he's put up in the brief amount of time that he's been healthy. He's been arguably one of the best players for the Rockies the last two years. Again, we're not talking about you know a lot of games. It's really a handful of games, but they've they've been great. And the other option, which you know is a much cheaper option than a Freddie Galvez or Jose Iglesias. Now, nationally, Alan Trejo is not known very well for his glove. And he still might not be in that above average range. But this is a player that I heard from inside the organization from at least two assistant general managers that his glove was ready in 2019 for the majors. And it was just about developing the bat. And so we got to see Trejo a little bit up in Colorado. Obviously, he wasn't going to play over Trevor Story. But what did his bat do in AAA as one of the, well, I'm not going to say one of the younger players. He's 25 years old in AAA. Ideally, that's the time you want to see a player in the majors. But at AAA, he's still lower than the the average aged player in the Pacific Coast League, or rather AAA West as it's now being branded. But down in Albuquerque, that's 278 with a 324 on base percentage. You'd like for that to be a little bit higher, draw a few more walks. 569 slugging percentage is pretty nice. Hit 17 homers, 72 RBI. 34 doubles, that's a number that jumps off the page when you talk about future power and potential pop out of that bat. If you go back and listen to the interview with Jeff Dooley, announcer for the Hartford Yard Goats, he talked about how Trevor Story's numbers jumped off the page and how he was this guy that when he saw him in in New Britain the year before they became the Yard Goats, Trevor Story was, was a stud and was fantastic in Albuquerque and didn't really get that credit nationally by a lot of the prospect pundits. And while I don't think that Alan Trejo is going to be the next Trevor Story, in the way that Story reached 100 homers, 100 stolen bases, faster than just about any other shortstop in history, but I do think he could certainly fill the hole for a year or two, and you go, hey, that, that guy did, did a really good job. Yes, no all, maybe no all-star appearances. Maybe he doesn't garner any votes for next year's Rookie of the Year. But I think he could be a really good internal candidate for Colorado if they can't sign one of those third-tier free agent shortstops or come together on a trade. I think they can kind of sit on their hands a little bit and say, you know what, if we turn the keys over to Alan Trejo, it'll be okay. Because they're really damned if they do, damned if they don't, right? They're, they're, they're losing Trevor's story. So, I mean, even if you do go out there and – you sign a multi-time all-star in Angelton Simmons, that's not going to move the needle enough to say, oh, wow, look look what the Rockies did this offseason to fill that hole. San Francisco Giants will not need to fill the hole at first base because Brandon Belt has accepted his qualifying offer. In fact, he's the only one that accepted the QO this offseason. Justin Verlander rejects his offer from Houston and subsequently signs a one-year $25 million guaranteed deal. The deal is actually, I believe, two years, $50 million, but the second year is a player option. So he's got that in the bag, right? He's got a two-year $50 million deal. It's just a matter of if he wants that or if he wants one year's tw- one year 25 mil, and then he's going to go out and sign another two, three-year deal after that 
for another $60 million, whatever it may be. So he's getting himself paid. He wants to pitch into his mid-40s, and he's going to get the opportunity to do that. Jose Barrios, trade acquisition from the Blue Jays over the summer from Minnesota, signed a seven-year, $131 million extension with Toronto. He's going to stay north of the border for quite some time. Definitely gives Toronto some cost certainty with Steven Matz and Robbie Ray venturing out in free agency as well as Marcus Simeon. So they're not going to lose all of their guys. Barrios, of course, was not going to be a free agent until after the 2022 season, but they lock him up early at, I think, a pretty good rate. I think they're going to be very happy with that in the long run. Ryan Zimmerman, in other news, said he's leaning towards returning in 2022. Had a nice send-off by the Washington Nationals and the crowd there in D.C. tearing up. Thought that was really beautiful, Mr. Nationals. Not sure if that's actually a nickname of his or not. Probably should be. So it's kind of a no-brainer, right? Jeff Conine is Mr. Marlin. Todd Helton's Mr. Rocky. I think Ryan Zimmerman is Mr. National or Mr. Nationals, whatever it may be. So that would be cool to see him come back to the National League in 2022. It'll be really cool to see you guys hanging out at the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax in York there in downtown Denver, coming out to any of our watch parties this week, next week, and for the duration of Nuggets and Avs season, we've got watch parties for Rams and Buffs football and basketball. You know that if you're a member, you get a bigger beer when you're at the DNVR bar. And if you want to become a member, go to the DNVR.com. You could sign up for just 50 cents for your first month if you want to try it out. If you want an annual membership, you know you get a free shirt from dnvrlocker.com. And remember, we've got a members-only Discord where you don't have to worry about politics or a-holes. You get to talk to the, our personalities, our hosts, diehard fans, just like yourself. When you come out to the watch parties where we've got the sound on, creates a game-like atmosphere, you will get extra raffle tickets at those watch parties to an even more free gear. When you mention that you're a member, you've got chances to hop on the live stream and our podcasts. And right now, the deal of the week for members is if you buy any piece of merchandise at the bar, we've got some new hats, new shirts. You get a free Breck Brew on the house from us. And that Breck Brew can be an Avalanche beer, Strawberry Sky, Vanilla Porter Jr., whatever you want. They are our official beer of DNVR. But did you know that Breckenridge Brewery is also our official seltzer? Yes, it's Good Company Hard Seltzer, now available at the DNVR bar. And it's available at King Supers, Costco, wherever you can pick up your hard seltzies. You get a 15-can sampler. It's delicious. And 1% of all profits goes to the National Parks Conservation Association to help prevent forest fires. We know we're in that season right now. I think there was a little breakout in Estes Park. Fingers crossed things go well out there. The snowfall on Wednesday morning, a little bit helpful in that. So definitely make sure you're supporting Breckenridge Breweries. Good company, hard seltzer, an easy choice for a great company. And speaking of great company, or speaking of trying to keep some great company, know that you need to blitz through those hairs because Manscaped is allowing you to go for two as the sponsors of today's show. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. You've heard us talk about it for years, and now you know that using code DNVR gets you 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. The folks at Manscaped have the perfect package for your package to get this done with the performance package. It's got the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, liquid formulations, all that and more. Go tame the Wildcat offense using the best tools for the job at Manscaped using code DNVR for free shipping 
and 20% off. On Thursday, the day you are probably listening to this, we will find out the most valuable players for the National League and the American League. In the AL, of course, we have Shohei Otani, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and Marcus Simeon. Come on. It's kind of a no-brainer. Shohei Otani is going to be your MVP. Great season by Simeon. Most home runs ever by a second baseman. 45 with Toronto, breaking Davey Johnson's record of 43. Vladimir Guerrero was absolutely fantastic. MVP in our house at Coors Field for the All-Star game. But yet, Shohei Otani doing things unlike just about anyone has ever seen, or at least ever seen and remembered, because I'm sure there were folks alive during the time when Babe Ruth still pitched, because for the majority of his career, he was just a hitter. He was a right fielder for the Yankees, but there was a time when he did both. That was at the beginning of his career, so you have to be even that much older. And come on, you got to be at least, what, seven, eight years old to have even remembered seeing that? So just it's unbelievable what he did. We could we could have an entire podcast devoted just to that and just to what he was able to do during the home run derby. Didn't win it, was knocked out in the first round, but my God, what what an amazing season he had. Over in the National League, you got Bryce Harper, Juan Soto, and Fernando Tatis Jr. I got to go with Bryce Harper there out of the three. You saw what he did down the stretch, carrying Philadelphia. Not enough to get to the postseason, but it was incredibly impressive. Juan Soto, I think, will be second doing some Ted Williams-type things. Unfortunately, didn't get enough protection in the lineup, didn't get enough opportunities, struggled when he was in Colorado at the end of the season, if you recall, and watched those games. I remember I remember having some uh, secret bets on whether or not he was going to get six and a half or so hits because it just seemed like he was on base every single time the two weeks going into that series with the Rockies and yet was – you know, shut down to a degree by some really good Rockies pitching. And then Fernando Tatis Jr., who ended up missing something like 32 games over the course of the season and argued publicly in the dugout with a teammate. They patched it up. Everything was fine with Manny Machado. But you see there that, you know, not doing the leadership things incredibly well there. And I think that's going to stick in the minds of voters because, look, MVP, you're thinking about value to the team. You're also just thinking about who had the best season. And you, you can't be having those kind of issues in your clubhouse that Fernando Tetis Jr. had and the catastrophic meltdown in the dugout by his team, by his manager. And sure, not all of that has to do with Tatis Jr. And he should be able to win his fair share of MVPs when his playing days are over, but I think it's going to be Bryce Harper on Thursday. But on Wednesday in the National League, it was Corbin Burns by the thinnest of margins over Zach Wheeler, 151 to 141 as far as votes go. Corbin Burns, Wheeler, and three-time winner Max Scherzer were named on every ballot. Burns and Wheeler both received 12 first-place votes. They actually tied. And so Burns becomes the first Brewers pitcher to win the Cy Young Award in the National League. That's because the Brewers moved to the NL in 1998. Prior to that, you had back-to-back Cy Young Award winners for the Brewers 
in the AL. Raleigh Fingers, the Hall of Fame closer in 1981, and starter Pete Vukovic in 1982. What did Burns do? He had a 2-4-3 ERA. Went 11-5. and No one cares about win-loss record anymore, which is a great thing. It's kind of why Julio Urias won 20 games, was 20-3, and I believe, and, you know, just got a couple votes. Got three fifth-place votes. Didn't even factor in the top three. Three fifth-place votes for a guy who was 20-3. and three. That's great. That, that's promising because that's not the number we need to be looking at to evaluate our pitchers here in 2021. But that 2-4-3 ERA for Burns equates to a 2-7-6 ERA plus best in the NL. 12.5 strikeouts per nine innings, best in the NL. A nearly 7-to-1 strikeout-to-walk ratio, best in the NL. And his fielding independent pitching was even lower than 2-4-3, so the defense almost let him down. Having Lorenzo Cain and Jackie Bradley Jr. in the outfield, and Christian Yelich, who's no slouch defensively either, actually didn't help him quite as much. And Colton Wong over at second base. There were definitely some dudes there to help him out, but pitched incredibly well. His victory of only 10 points is actually the second lowest of any starting pitcher in a full season to win the award. And it's the second time ever that the first and second placed finishers ended up having the same amount of votes. 1981, the Reds, Tom Seaver, Dodgers, Fernando Valenzuela, both had the same amount of votes. Valenzuela ended up winning by a whopping three points. Granted, this was when there were only first, second, and third place votes. Now we have five places to give out votes. And Corbin Burns just was absolutely fantastic this year. I've been sitting on an interview I was able to have with him during the All-Star break. I'm going to have to polish that one off because in that he talks with me about some of the trials and tribulations he had as a minor leaguer coming up, specifically pitching at altitude. It's been mentioned a few times this season but the Milwaukee Brewers AAA affiliate for a while when Colorado decided, look, Colorado Springs, Sky Sox, not really getting the job done. Ballpark, not terribly good. Kind of could see the writing on the wall a little bit. Switches over to Albuquerque. Brilliant move. The relationship and the affiliation with the Isotopes has been nothing but pure success. And so the Sky Sox, they need a major league team, and the Brewers are the last one at the dance. And so they kind of get stuck in Colorado Springs. And because of that, a trio of pitchers with the Brewers come up learning how to pitch at altitude and learning how to pitch in a challenging ballpark, being able to be successful when the odds might be stacked against you just a little bit, to be able to persevere. Freddie Peralta, Brendan Woodruff, and of course, Corbin Burns. So he talks to me about that. Got to get that bad boy knocked out this week for you guys over at thednvr.com. Over in the American League, a former NL West foe, and Robbie Ray takes the award, becomes the fifth Toronto Blue Jays pitcher to win, all of which came since 1996, not that long ago. Pat Henkin won it in 96, then back-to-back awards in 97-98 for Roger Clemens, and then Colorado's own, Arvada's own, Roy Halladay in 2003. Garrett Cole was the runner-up, also was featured on every ballot. Robbie Ray's total of 13 wins, tied for the fewest 
for starting pitcher over a full season with Felix Hernandez back in 2010. That was the Cy Young Award election that ushered in the new era of sabermetrics because at that point, a win-loss record was paramount to just about anything. And in 2010, when Felix Hernandez won, that's when the chains really were broken. Go back and look at voting previously and how that ended up working out. I published a piece a few days ago about Rookie of the Year award contenders that the Rockies have had that got overlooked, didn't even get a third-place vote, and should have gotten a third-place vote. And three of the four guys on that list, they were pitchers. And that's because, well, one of them was a closer, and so there wasn't much of a win-loss record to look at. Was only able to rack up 19 saves, not enough really to get enough notoriety from voters. Manny Corpus, of course, is who I'm talking about from 2007. But a few others, again, if you look away from their win-loss record and just look at what they were able to do with their earned run average or ERA+, and of course now we have wins above replacement to look, and we can say, ah, this guy was really valuable, was really good. And 2010 was really when that started to turn around. Now, Robbie Ray, if you remember him last year, I think he did have a start against Colorado during the pandemic shortened season, but he had a 7.84 ERA in seven starts with Arizona before being traded to Toronto. Arizona got back uh, a reliever, Travis Bergen, who ended up going back to Toronto. They, they They just cut him loose. But Robbie Ray was fantastic in 2021. What a turnaround. He was good in the second half with Toronto as well, but just good. This year, 284 ERA, 193 innings pitched, most in the American League, 248 strikeouts, the most ERA plus of 154, and a 1.045 whip. So barely more than one base runner per inning pitched. Unbelievable. And of course, you've probably seen it go around on Twitter, either from my account at Patrick D. Lyons or our main account at DNVR underscore Rockies, but the 2014 Detroit Tigers rotation now has five Cy Young Award winners. Yes, the 2014 Detroit Tigers. Max Scherzer, he's won three in his career, only one came with Detroit. Justin Verlander won two Cy Young Awards and was was runner-up twice, as was Scherzer. David Price won one in 2012. Of course, that was with Tampa Bay before he went to Detroit. Rick Porcello won in 2016 with Boston. And now Robbie Ray won it in 2021 with Toronto. So not most of them did not win with Detroit, but five guys in that rotation. And Annabelle Sanchez was there as well. He made a lot of starts. He was fourth in Cy Young, vote, Cy Young Award voting the previous year. But my God, I, I don't even... Well, there's been three, right? We know, obviously, Atlanta in the 90s had Smoltz, Glavin, and Maddox. So there's three Cy Young Award winners right there. And maybe there's a fourth, I'm forgetting, somewhere that kind of jumped in for the second half of the season, didn't do too much. Maybe Brett Saberhagen pitched for like a week before blowing his shoulder out, one of those kind of guys. So congratulations to Robbie Ray and condolences to the Arizona Diamondbacks again who are really battling Rockies and Rockies fans for getting just trampled emotionally for these kind of things. So hopefully uh, our boys over at PHNX 
are are hanging in there. And if you want to hang in there with a company that's trying to save the world, got to check out Ball Aerospace and Technology because they've been practicing diversity and inclusion for years, and they want you to be a part of their company. They've got a culture of belonging that's been noticed by the Human Rights Campaign. They've got a corporate equality index score of 100%. So if you come and work with them, you're free to be your authentic self. And right now they're looking for folks who've got some technical and mechanical skills to help them manufacture aluminum cans and bottles, which they've been doing for a long time. They're an iconic brand. As soon as you sign up, you get comprehensive insurance, 401k, all kinds of abilities to move up in the company as well. $27 an hour. Got to text the golden. Make sure you text golden to 77222 and you'll get linked to open positions or just go directly to jobs.ball.com and search for golden. If you do get hired, got to take some of that hard earned cash and double it, triple it, quadruple it, whatever you need to do with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Because they've got an offer right now. Every football fan should jump on. In fact, I don't even think you need to be a football fan to jump in on this deal when you hear what it is. New customers can bet just $1 on either NFL team to score. And when they do, because you know they will, hasn't not happened since 1924. They're going to put points on the board somewhere or another. And once they do, you win $100 in free bets. It's really that easy and rewarding. DraftKings customers can also get skin in the game with new same-game parlays. You're going to combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout because the more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR. New customers can bet just $1 on either NFL team to score. And if they do, you win $100 in free bets. That's promo code DNVR this week. At DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado-only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Folks at Green Mountain Dental Group deserve to take some credit for those smiling Colorado sports fans around town, especially those of our DNVR listeners who've switched over to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years to make them their permanent family dentist. It's what Allie and Lindsay has done, a part of our DNVR team. You should know them pretty well by now. They got their wisdom teeth taken out. That is a difficult procedure, but it was not with Green Mountain Dental Group. They made sure the medication was on point. They checked in on them as frequently as possible, and it was a really good experience for something that usually isn't for most people. That's how you know Green Mountain Dental Group is legit. We are putting our money where our mouth is, quite literally here with Green Mountain Dental Group. And if you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you actually receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental Group located only 15 minutes from downtown Denver. And now the part you probably have not been waiting for. It is why we may be having a work stoppage on December 2nd. Yeah, it'll be at midnight of December 1st, but once it's midnight on December 1st, it's December 2nd. And so the collective bargaining agreement is set to expire. So there's not an agreement between the owners and the players, specifically the players association, which are not minor leaguers. And that's a whole separate can of worms we'll get into eventually, but there needs to be an agreement. And there's basically one fundamental issue. And it's that major league baseball, AKA the owners 
they see the money that they're going to pay players as a question of distribution. How are they going to split this money up amongst the players? Or how do the players want the money split up amongst them? Whereas the union does not see that player pay as a fixed number, right? They want more equitable pay. They want more money. They want a larger piece of the pie because frankly, without the players, you don't have MLB. You cannot have replacement players because believe it or not, yes, there are people that will go to games and really they're rooting for the laundry. They grew up watching their team. You grew up watching the Rockies most likely. And they're your team because you grew up watching them. And so whoever is wearing the purple pinstripes, you're going to root for them. But if you have no idea who these people are and their ability level is not very good, you're not going to watch that. You need to know Ryan McMahon and Charlie Blackman and Ryan Altapia and Brendan Rodgers and Elias Diaz and Kyle Freeland and Antonio Cinzatella. It is super important that you have guys like that, that you know that at the highest ability in their profession. And so it's not a matter of, hey, how do we split up this money? It's, hold on, it's, we deserve a bigger piece of the pie. And right now we're getting a smaller piece of the pie than we were in the previous CBA, which I'll address here in a second. So again, yeah, it's about money, but the owners are not really budging at all with this pay. Now the players, they, they want the younger guys to make more money, which I, I, I think is certainly fair. And the league is saying, and the owners are saying, sure, but there needs to be now a trade-off. We'll, we'll pay the younger guys, but now there's, there's probably gonna be less money at the top for big free agents. We're, we're going to change the system altogether. And so we're still going to pay the exact same amount. But if you want to change the system in order to do that, that's great because we're going to pay the same amount. And the players not really trying to hear that. I don't think you blame them for that. And in fact, you know, if you change the system, there's a good chance that the players will be making less overall. And they are making less overall based on this most recent CBA. We're talking about annual revenue of $11 billion to be split up. And there's a good chance they're not going to agree to this right now, right? We've seen since 2017, 6% decrease in salaries. The qualifying offer dropped from 18.9 last year to 18.4 this year. And that qualifying offer is the average of the highest 125 salaries. So. You say that that number came down. I, I can't do the quick math in my head, but I imagine half a million dollars off of 18.9 is probably close to 6%. <clears throat> so players overall on a whole are getting paid less. Now, the owners and the players, they're meeting twice weekly at this point either in person or they're doing some kind of video conferencing. And they've made a lot of progress in non-economic matters during these negotiations, right? That might be like the number of days off if you have to travel so many miles, things like that. Nothing, that, nothing that's sexy, right? Nothing that has to do with money. 
So that's positive. But according to one source that spoke with the athletic quote, everything will come together in the last 72 hours or more likely not. And we'll see where it goes from there down in Arizona last week. Speaking with someone who had talked one-on-one with a manager. I think I did mention this in the past week, not Bud Black, but nevertheless, spoke with a manager and that guy said, you know what? You might not want to book your reservation for the winter meetings, which is set to start on December 6th. So that will most likely be canceled unless a deal is agreed upon. But that is looking to be a little bit unlikely because what happens with a work stoppage, or in this case, is the owners get to say, hey, there is no agreement right now between our two sides, so we are locking you out. We are making sure players can't do anything, and there can be no transactions, there can be no trades, players can't come to the facilities, they can't contact trainers, things of that nature. And because of that, the players are going to get maybe a little antsy, a little anxious. They're not going to maybe get what they need or what they want, and that could translate to better negotiations for the owners. Right? They're the ones who have the power. That is why in 1994, the players decided to strike preemptively because the CBA was set to expire, and they thought if it does, we're not going to have the leverage because the owners are going to lock us out. So we need to strike early. They thought it was only going to last a couple of days, maybe even a, a week or two. And we lost the entire 1994 World Series. The CBA expired. And then the owners said, okay, now we've got the leg up. We're going to lock you out. So that's why we refer to it as the 94-95 work stoppage. When really we should be calling this potentially, if it does go down this way, as a lockout. And make it clear that the owners are the ones that are making this decision. But so far, there's been four proposals, two on each side, Players Association in May, owners in August. We had one a couple weeks ago at the end of October by the Players Association. And then last week during the GM meetings in California, the owners had a new proposal. And there are really some interesting wrinkles that when you hear about them, you're going to like them. You're going to think they're, they're a good idea. And I think they are at face value, but ultimately what it does is it tamps down a lot of the higher end salaries for players. When Francisco Lindor and Fernando Tatis Jr. make 300 plus million dollars, there is a trickle down effect that impacts all players' salaries, even to a player in his third year going into arbitration for the first time. There's a trickle-down effect for that. And if those big salaries can get tamped down, then the same is going to be true for those younger players. And that's what the owners want to do. So they've proposed a salary floor. Hey, that's what everyone wants. You want the Orioles and the Pirates and the Marlins to spend some money. That's going to be a good thing. And guess what? If you don't spend $100 million on your roster, you're going to have to pay a penalty. What could be wrong with that? Well, the it's not just that. The owners are saying, cool, we'll have a $100 million soft salary floor. But now the luxury tax threshold is going to go from 210 to 180 If the Rockies do what they say they're going to do in this instance, and I think they do have some intent to do this, 
their 2023 payroll may even be at 180. That gives you an idea. Now, we know the Rockies have spent a little bit on payroll in the last five-plus seasons, but a small to mid-market club like the Rockies should not be up against a luxury tax threshold. That's almost going to make them not want to spend the money that they are anticipating on spending. So you get the salary floor, but you get a lower luxury tax threshold. That's going to prevent the top free agents from making their money. So that's kind of a wash. All right, what else did they propose? Let's work through these. Teams could not pick in the top five of the draft three years in a row. That sounds pretty good, right? That's going to prevent a little bit of tanking. Absolutely could. Okay, that one's a good one. Seems That one seems totally fine. All right, MLB also proposed an international draft, which is something that's been discussed for a while. Granted, that's going to end up saving them money. And it's a group of players that the Players Association really has nothing to do with. They're, they're giving away someone else's rights to go and make money on the international market. It's the same thing with minor leaguers where, look, if you're not a part of the union, we don't necessarily have to look out for you. Because if we, if we look out for you and we make sure you get a, a livable wage, which is something we could do as the Players Association, we could do that. But now we got to give up something the owners are going to want from us. And so we're getting hit from all angles here. So we, we look, we got to take care of our own people. That's what a union does. And that makes sense. That definitely makes sense here in this. The owners also propose to eliminate a salary arbitration. Instead, they're going to have a predetermined pool of money to be distributed to players. So again, a set limit, a defined limit for players to have to fight over. And they also want free agents, or rather they want players to hit free agency once they hit 29 and a half years old. So basically, players like an Aaron Judge, who he really didn't get his first shot until he's 25 years old, he's not going to be a free agent until his year 30 season. We know some older guys who didn't get that chance that, hey, they're not going to be free agents until they're 30, 31. But those guys are in the minority. Those guys are in the minority players that when they become free agents at 30 or older, they're highly sought after. The biggest contracts are signed by players who are going to hit free agency when they're 26, 27, 28, when they're signed to these lifetime deals. All those guys, Machado, Bryce Harper, Lindor, Tatis, all the big names, you know, Mike Trout's extension, they were all before... They hit free agency. It was all before 29 and a half. Correction, it wasn't all before free agency, but it was all before they were 29 and a half years old. So basically, now if you're bringing up players a little bit earlier because, hey, you only have them until they're 29 years old, let's give them a chance in the majors a little bit sooner than later. Okay, that's a good thing. That's good for the game. But now if you get called up when you're 21, no matter how great you're playing, you have to wait eight, maybe nine years until you're a free agent because, according to the owners, they don't want you to hit free agency until you're 29 and a half years old. That, again, is going to tamp down the value of contracts. It's a bad for players. That's a bad deal for the players. And it's going to just lessen their earnings in the long runs. 
It's going to lessen their earnings in the long run. Then finally, for arbitration eligible players, they want salaries to be determined by wins above replacement. Now, as soon as you hear that, you go, that's brilliant. That's great. That's easy. How much are you adding? Look, here's, here's, a, here's a formula. Plug the numbers in. Here is how valuable you are. Here's what you get paid. In theory, that is perfect. But war is not a perfect thing. Now, the owners want to use fan graphs. Now, is that because it's the best? And what, what makes it the best? Does it make it the best because it's the most skewed in favor of the owners? Maybe. Maybe baseball reference actually is more accurate. Maybe baseball prospectus is. That's the one that we don't talk about as much. They, they go by warp. We got F war, B war, baseball reference, war, and we've got warp for prospectus. But the reason we have three different metrics to quantify this is because it is a formula. It, it, it's a way to calculate numbers in, in different ways. And so what is the best way? What is really true to it? It's very flawed because there are so many variables within calculating wins above replacement. Defense is calculated differently. Pitching is calculated differently as far as what relievers go. Because you look at what their, their value is in war, but yet look at what free agent relievers get. They get a lot more than what the numbers might say in wins above replacement. And the biggest thing that I thought of immediately when I heard that was, oh my God, that is, that's just going to allow manipulation to try to make the most money. Initially, I go, well, the players are going to manipulate it. They're going to figure out, all right, well, if I do this, it's worth more. So I'm, I'm just going to try to hit a home run every time. And so we're not even going to see three true outcomes. It's going to be two true outcomes. It's going to be homers and strikeouts. That's it. It's not even going to be walks because maybe the equation for war doesn't really value that as much. Maybe. Maybe. Or maybe just walks in general. And so we're not going to see any home runs. And then I thought a little bit more and I said, well, maybe, maybe teams could manipulate this. Especially if we're talking about defense and the defensive positioning, how depending on if you're using the shift or not, again, that can tamp down values for players. Dellen Batances a few years ago was arguing with one of the Steinbrenners because when they went to arbitration, again, that is a nasty process that allows for debate and say, well, I think I'm worth that much. No, we think you're only worth this much. And because of that debate, Dylan Batances came out and said, well, yeah, you talk about me not having any saves, but that's a matter of opportunity. You didn't give me those opportunities, even though if you look at my statistics, I clearly am as good, if not better, than most of the relievers and closers in baseball. So that's not fair that I shouldn't get paid for that because I wasn't given those opportunities. And that's the kind of debate that the owners don't want. If there's just an equation and a calculation for figuring out how much you get paid, there's no debate. Done. That's what you get paid. It's great in theory, but I, I don't think there's a way that that can work out. I really don't.
The players want a lot of similar things. They want some anti-competitive behavior, right? So to make sure that there's not tanking done. Well, the owners want that too, or at least they say they do. But in order to give that up, that anti-tanking, well, they, they want to tamp these salaries down so that the high end, the salary cap is reduced. So they'll bring a floor, but now the ceiling's coming down even more. Players want the minimum salary to be raised for guys just coming up. I think that one's an easy one because, again, not too many of those guys. It's a general pay increase for you know general cost of living wages. And we know, hey, if you're making half a million dollars your first couple of years, that's a lot more than most Americans are making. They want players to get an arbitration earlier. Originally, their first proposal in May said they wanted players to be arbitration eligible after two years instead of what it is now, which is three. They want service time to be calculated differently so that, again, service time factors into arbitration. It's one of the reasons why, going back to a guy like Chris Bryant in 2015, he didn't get called up until the end of April. And because of that, because the Cubs waited, even though he had an outstanding spring training and deserved to make the opening day roster, by keeping him down in the minors for those three weeks, they could get him for one more year in 2021. And so they were able to manipulate that service time. It's what the Mariners did with Jared Kelnick last year. We know their one executive talked to a Rotary Club up in Seattle and basically spilled the beans on that one. And so, hey, Let's calculate service time a little differently so you can't manipulate those kind of things and we can really have the best talents in the majors. Players Association also wants some kind of adjustment to the draft order and how it's determined. Obviously, right now, it's reverse order in the standings. They want something slightly different, again, I think to try to help prevent tanking, which is great. I definitely think that's that's something that would make the game a lot better. I like the strategy of tanking on paper. Again, I've never had to sit through that. I've never had to deal with that. I do know that if you're a decision maker and your goal is to try to win a championship above all else, then you may need to turn to that. You may need to make that deal with the devil. But if you if there's ways that you can work around that and still win a championship or at least be convinced you can win a championship, then I guess you don't need to tank. And Scott Boris at the GM meetings really laid it out really well last week in, in talking about what the previous CBA ended up doing and how it, it really promotes tanking in a way. Maybe not promotes, but it definitely supports the ability to do that. And everything that he said last week in particular, the, the way he goes about cutting a promo for all of his players that are in free agency, that's something he waits to do at the winter meetings. That That's another indicator that we're probably not going to have that down in Orlando from December 6th through December 9th, culminates in the Rule 5 draft. We're not going to have that because there's going to be a work stoppage on December 2nd. We'll see. There's still plenty of time for negotiations to happen. But if you're trying to win the negotiations, you can afford to have a month or two months of bad press 
come to an agreement on February 1st, still go to spring training on time and everything's copacetic because you put the pressure on the players association. You made them sweat. You can do that. And that's what the owners I think are going to try to do. And it's going to suck because in the coldest months of the winter time, sure. We'll have the holidays to distract us for the first half or through December. But once we get to January, it could get rough because there's not going to be any rumblings of rumors. There's just going to be talk of money. There's going to be talk of legalities. There's going to be talk of arbitration, all the boring stuff that goes on behind the scenes that I think most fans don't really care too much about. And I, and I don't blame you, right? You, you love the game and the game is played on the field, not in a boardroom. And right now that's front and center right now with the game, but you'll have nuggets, you'll have abs, you'll have all the coverage at the dnvr.com. Those guys are crushing it. College basketball. I think this is going to be a big year. Our guys, Hank and Justin had a real great show. Make sure you go over to the YouTube channel and check out DNVR sports. We've got all the live shows. You can get your super chats in. If you got questions for Eric Meemum, yeah, Eric Weedham, AKA D line co he's a meme now with his face cupped in his hands after that difficult Broncos loss. So we're going to have all kinds of coverage for that and more. Keep it locked into DNVR Sports. Make sure you're following us anywhere there's social media. Look for DNVR Sports. Look for me at Patrick D. Lyons on Twitter and at DNVR underscore Rockies for all of our great coverage of Rockies and baseball this offseason, work stoppage, all that stuff. Stay in the know with us. So for DNVR Sports, I am Patrick Lyons, and thank you for tuning in to the DNVR Rockies podcast. Our friends over at Green Mountain Dental deserve to take credit for the smiling faces you see on our YouTube channel and those of our Colorado sports fans around town, especially those of our DNVR listeners who switched to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years to make them their permanent family dentist. And if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush today from Green Mountain Dental Group located only 15 minutes from downtown Denver.